Hello, and welcome to the Story Wagon Podcast, where we talk about life, story, and spiritual health. I am your host, Chaplain Jose Martinez, and you can learn more about this podcast at our website, storywagon.org. You can also show us your support on our Patreon page so that we can continue to host this podcast and create resources that help our communities develop good spiritual health. Welcome. Welcome back to another episode of Story Wagon. Um, So today we are going to talk about uh, birth. It's a very sacred thing uh, that we have in our life cycle uh, as human beings. And um, today Amy is here with me and uh, we brought along uh, a doula and by the name of Taylor Nosakire. And so uh, I just want to say welcome, Taylor and Amy. Welcome, as always. Thank you. Excellent. It's good to be here. It's very exciting. Um, So, Taylor, we're talking with you about birth because you are a doula. And so for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what that is or what that means, can you give us a little bit of info about what doulas do and what, what that looks like for you? Yeah, so there are doulas for other things besides birth, um, but a birth doula is an unbiased support person for the birthing person and their family um, throughout pregnancy, labor, birth, and even into postpartum. Um, And a doula provides support in three main ways educational, emotional, and physical. Um, So again, going back to that unbiased part, a doula's job is to provide information, um, that education, but then to kind of step back and let the birthing person and the family make their choices and then be there to advocate and support um, their choices. Does uh, does doula mean something? Like, is there like a, like, what does the term doula mean, I guess? Okay, you're putting me on the spot here. It does, and I cannot think of the the translation off the top of my head. Oh, okay. But there is, there is a meaning, and I want to say... Gosh, I'm gonna fudge it if I if I try to guess. But it does have something to do with it's just it's a support because there are um, abortion doulas, there are death doulas, there are pregnancy loss doulas. There's a lot of a doula is just someone who is supporting someone unbiasedly through a transformational part of their life. Okay. So, so it comes from. Doula comes from the ancient Greek, meaning woman's servant. Okay. See, I was like, <laughs> yeah. So you may you may be familiar with this with the term doulos, right. which is a male servant from the ancient Greek, and so doula is the female version. Wow. Okay. Well, I learned something. Thanks, Google. New today. <laughs> See, I'm I'm even learning. I'm like, I know there's a word, but well, and anyone who you know, biblically speaking. Um, the word yeah. doulos does come up in, in the ancient Greek versions of, of biblical texts. So. Right. Wow. Yeah. Pretty cool. Um, so, you know, here at Story Wagon, we're really interested in people's stories. And so, Taylor, what 
why are you why are why do you doula why are you a doula what what about your personal experience got you into that or led you to it yeah so i i i've been thinking about this for a long time now but i feel like this role really chose me instead of me choosing it I actually kind of tried to push it away. Um, I grew up around birth. I have a lot of younger siblings. Um, and my mother um, was a childbirth educator. She still does childbirth education sometimes. She was a doula. Um, my aunt was a doula. And my mom is now um a lactation consultant. So I, I've just been around birth and babies a lot. Um, and when my career kind of started to transition into the wellness space, I did a lot of yoga and I have a culinary background. So I was doing a lot with health and nutrition and just kind of helping busy people kind of cook and fit it into their life. And I kept pushing away this work because of the on-call aspect, I think. Um, and it just got to the point where as I was building my brand and building my wellness business, it's all I wanted to talk about. I'm like, I had had a baby recently. He's two and a half almost. Um, so I'll get to that in a second because my experience definitely pushed me into this. But it was like, it's all I wanted to talk about. I wanted to talk about information and I wanted to talk about the gaps that I saw when I was going through the process. The second I got pregnant, I wanted to know everything about everything. I had never even listened to a podcast before in my life. I had to Google how to listen to a podcast <laughs> and I found a couple about birth and then it just sent me down this rabbit hole of all the information when I was pregnant and my birth um, with my son kind of took a different, a different route than what we had planned. And it gave me so much perspective. And even just in the process of learning, I realized how much of a gap there was between um evidence-based information about pregnancy and birth and the birthing person and the partner and the baby really being the center versus what was common practice and <clears throat> what was mainstream. And I was just so intrigued but also angered <laughs> by this huge gap that I saw and the more women and birthing people I talked to, I just realized these people don't know this stuff. Like nobody knows this stuff. This stuff isn't being talked about. True informed consent is not being given in the prenatal or the labor room or the postpartum period. It, yes, consent is typically there, but true informed consent that is the risks and benefits of doing something and the risks and benefits of not doing something 
was really not there. And over medicalizing a, a process um, that is something that is natural. Um, and so I just couldn't not, it was all, like I said, it was all I wanted to talk about. It chose me, I couldn't stay away. So I just finally leaned in. And now that I've like chosen that, it, it feels so right <laughs> that I'm just like, yep, this is what I was put on the planet to do. <laughs> That's a good feeling. Yeah. Good affirmation, good confirmation. Mm-hmm. from the universe about that yes. well, well it sounds like yeah. calling you know like you know we talk about a call story when it when we're talking about clergy doesn't matter like whether you're christian muslim buddhist i mean there's this sense of calling and that's what it seems like that you're describing is this calling 100 uh, <laughs> yeah yeah that's amazing <laughs> i love it yeah very cool so one of the things that we, beyond people's personal stories, um, one of the things that we talk about a lot here too is trauma and how trauma informs our work as caregivers um, in you know different caring professions. And it doesn't have to just be a caring profession. I mean, we talk about like spiritual wellness and tea in our last episode, and you know spiritual health in a lot of different aspects of of life. So I'm curious for you, you know, what is that intersection of like? spiritual health care, trauma, and birth? What does that look like? Yeah. That's a lot and a big question. But. No, that's okay. <laughs> I'll, start, I'll start with the trauma piece because the first thing that came to mind when I thought about trauma was trauma is, and I know you guys know this, but and I'm sure your audience does, but I just feel the need to reiterate it, is like trauma is in the eye of, the beholder. So something that is not perceived as traumatic to other people in the situation or onlookers could be considered traumatic to the person experiencing it. So we don't have to always think of trauma and think of this huge, crazy life event that, you know, was like gory and gruesome. Like it doesn't have to be that. Um, so I would say the trauma that I come across often or more often than anything is past birth experience, um, trauma with past birth experience, not necessarily an experience that was their own, but something that they witnessed or even something that they saw on TV. I mean, the media plays a role. Um, But one of the things that I see come to the surface with a lot of the people that I talk to is not even this like, oh my God, I had a horrible past experience, but I felt powerless. I felt like this was being done to me. And even for people that haven't had a past birth trauma, but might have a past medical trauma, or they were, you know, treated a certain way in hospitals or by providers, um, or saw family members treated a certain way, 
Um, which kind of leads me into the other aspect of the trauma that you see in this field is people that just don't like hospitals that are traumatized because, you know, a family member, they saw a family member go through something um, or they, you know, they associate hospitals with sickness and sadness. Um, and a lot of the birth in the United States is happening in hospitals. And then you move into, you know, some of your more typical, what you might think of trauma, like actual physical abuse or sexual trauma. Um, and birth and sex are very intertwined. And so, you know, those organs and those muscles, they're all the same. So if somebody has had a past experience with being touched without consent and a provider touches them without consent, like that can be very, very triggering. And so one of the ways that I like to work with people is to, you know, we go really deep into feelings. We go deep into how do you want to feel during this process? And we go into some of their fears and those past things come up and we talk about options and finding the right providers so that we can hopefully um, mitigate, eliminate, avoid any future trauma. Um, and then a big one that is just like when it comes to dealing with this trauma and preventing more of it is just information. I was just talking with a client a couple weeks ago about this of like information is power. And if you can remember that you are in the driver's seat and you are, you know, these providers are working for you. Mm -hmm. um, you're the decision maker reminding the, the birthing person and the, the family that they have a voice. Um, can be a huge factor when it comes to avoiding any future trauma. Mm -hmm. um, what was the second part of the question? Did I answer that part? Yes. So sort of the, you know, how, what, how does spirituality sort of, you know, play into to birth and um, pregnancy and um, your work with people? So like, the, you know, because there's a spiritual aspect to trauma um, and there's a spiritual aspect to care. And so there are two parts of that, meaning like how, you know, are there spirituality conversations that you end up having with clients and how does your own sort of, um, spiritual awareness or self care get manifested in your practice with others? Like, how do you take care of yourself? So it's kind of a dual question. Yeah. Um, I typically, I don't go in too deep with clients about their spiritual beliefs um, necessarily, mainly because, I mean, if they, if they offer that information 100%, um, but it does come up. And I think personally, I... I think most of us, whether you call it God or the universe or 
whatever it is that you call it, you believe in a higher power. Most people do, that there's something higher than themselves. And so I think finding the balance in the, the pregnancy and the birthing process to, to know that though you can choose specific options and you can choose your provider and you can know information, there are certain things that are out of your control. Control is kind of a weird word in birth. <laughs> um, because, you know, when, you, when you're pregnant, like this being is being created and you're not even thinking about it. So there's some higher work being done. So reminding birthing people that in that moment too, that like connecting with whatever it is that they believe in um, to give over some of that um, control again, I can't think of a better word. Um, it's so important, but it's, it's a fine line because I think some people give over, you know, control or, you know, they, they surrender maybe to blindly trusting providers instead of like surrendering to a process. So it's, it's a very fine line and it's tricky in terms of, in terms of care. Another thing that comes to mind and I consider this spiritual um, is just the connection between the mind and the body and like, you know, your spirituality and the body, because yes, your body is going through this, this thing, but your mind is, you know, so much, so much happens in the mind and, you know, just some of the scientific stuff behind that about like, you know, your hormones and stuff, obviously, but then also some of the, the not scientific stuff that you can't really, that's not tangible, but it, it's so huge. Um, yeah. So taking care of your mind is, it's so vital, yeah. <laughs> more vital than our Western culture, I think gives, gives credit. Sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause I know you teach yoga and you, do yoga and that, you know, yoga has a lot to do with the mind body connection. And there's so much, you know, I'm a little bit frustrated by just sort of the, the way that our sort of medical system is set up and the way that our research uh, institutions are set up in the sense that it can be really hard to get that information and to do that research. Um, you know, do, have there been studies about, I mean, we know that oxytocin is, a major hormonal player in birth and pain relief and things like that. Like that an epidural is the synthetic version of oxytocin. And so um, that's right. Right. I'm saying that right. Pitocin. <laughs> Pitocin is so Pitocin. Okay. Yeah. 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 That's right. Pitocin that's is the labor the, hormone. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So Pitocin is yes. The synthetic version of something your body naturally creates. Yeah. And that our mindset has a lot to do with how much of that our body naturally creates. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, we're 
it's only in the last, you know, 10 or 15 years that we've even started to quantify the, the effects of stress on our bodies. We like to think that our minds and our bodies and our spirits and our souls are all these neat little separate compartments when they're not. It's all, we're all living in a body. We're all having experiences in our bodies. <laughs> There's not yeah. actually a separation. Um, and so how does that, so just to kind of also a little bit of information for folks who can't see you is that you yourself are pregnant right now mm -hmm. um, with twins. And how, how far, what week are you in? 19. Yeah. So I feel like you're sharing this information from a, you know, not just from a provider perspective, but also from a participant perspective. <laughs> um, and so going back to this self care question, you know, like, cause you said that you <laughs> avoided uh, being a doula yeah. because of the on call stuff and you have, you already have a, a child and um, twins on the way and um, you know, a really loving and supportive husband and family. And so I'm curious, you know, what does that look like? Has your self care changed um, in pregnancy from your non-pregnant self? Um, has twins factored into that? Like, what does that look like for you? So from a business perspective, for me, self-care meant boundaries. So I knew when I decided I was going all in, in doula work, I made the decision that I was going to only take one roughly one client a month because for two reasons the 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 one reason being the self-care reason of you know I have a young family and I need to make sure that I'm not on call every day all day without sleep and all of this stuff and you know I I made this choice pre-pregnancy um and the second piece is I do know that my life is full and I want to be able to give my all to every single person that hires me. And I knew that that could only happen if I put boundaries on how many I could take on. Um, and so part of that, you know, this seems like a weird thing to talk about when it comes to self care, but I have multiple income streams. I have, you know, a few different jobs and side hustles that I kind of, and I don't even know at this point, what's the main hustle. Like I know that birth work is my passion. Um, but I, you know, I, I do still have a job in my culinary background. I do have, you know, some other streams of income that I'm working on because that to me is so vital in me being able to do and sustain this work long term because I know myself and I knew if I just take it all, I'm going to burn out. And me being burnt out doesn't allow me to help anyone, including myself. <laughs> um, so that one is the, the big one for self-care. And then the second thing is having people in my corner that are my support, whether that be physical. So having someone help me 
you know, I had a coach for a while that was helping me with, with training, with exercise. Um, I go to yoga classes because I am just bad at doing it at home on my own, guiding myself. So I need to have a guide. I am hiring a doula for my own birth. I, you know, seeing practitioners physically, so chiropractors, um, energy workers, therapists, like making sure that I have the support so that I can download and offload that stuff so that I can then come fresh mm -hmm. to the interactions where I am the support person. Um, so I think those two things are huge. I mean, I could go into, you know, eating healthy and, you know, <laughs> working out and all the things, but life's crazy. I'll admit it. I have a two and a half year old and we're moving and pregnant with twins and, you know, building a business and, it's a lot, but those things are key in me being able to actually keep going. Yeah. 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 And I feel like those are actually pretty advanced self-care practices. Really? <laughs> boundaries and um, recruiting support when you need it. Like those are, I feel like those are things that a lot of us really struggle with. Um, well, I can't say that I haven't struggled with them. Oh, I for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely like, I'm a couple years into this, like figuring out how to be a working professional and a mom and all of that. And so it has taken a lot of trial and error and a lot of like falling on my face, realizing I didn't have the support that I needed and then realizing like, okay, girl, you need yeah. to go get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, being yeah. a doula, it sounds a lot like, well, just being a minister, you're definitely doing ministry which is really intriguing as I'm hearing it from like a, a outsider type person. Uh, yeah, I never thought of it that way. So, so the question I have, um, you know, uh, I, I'm a hospital chaplain, so uh, I, I usually see the birthing after effects, you know, and usually yeah. I come in in a time where uh, it's usually not a happy time, you know, it's fetal demises and, you know, all those uh, things things however I do see like um and I'm wondering from your perspective like you know especially in the pre-work that you do with uh um, pregnancy uh do you sort see a, a grief uh, that happens because of the transition that's occurring got like anticipatory grief knowing that my life is going to be completely different with this new baby coming to hand or um, do you do any post-work with the postpartum stuff uh, whether it's postpartum depression or, you know, maybe if there was a loss within the birthing process, uh, do you deal with any of that, uh, that kind of work? In terms of prenatally, um, we touch on, on it. I, I, I give, because I, I have three visits with my clients, two hour visits, um, and it's hard for me to word vomit all the things that I want them to know. So I try to pass along other resources. And one of them is um, a postpartum preparation class that does go into that. It goes into like, okay, this is not just about changing diapers and knowing how to swaddle. Like this is about like your identity is changing and you don't know what kind of baby you're going to get. And 
and all of that. I would have to say no, though. Like, I don't see that a lot because I don't think people really get it. Mm-hmm. I think maybe some of the second time parents, they get it. Um, but the first time parents, I think that is something that there's no way to like truly prepare for how your identity is going to shift partially because I don't think, you know, I definitely didn't know when becoming a mom, what was going to change. I think I thought certain things might change, but then other things ended up changing that I didn't expect. Um, but we do talk about postpartum mood disorders and ways to hopefully avoid them or find support if you have them. Um, and I do two postpartum visits. Um, so yes, in that sense, like we will talk about what happened. We will talk about the, the birth story if they're ready to talk about it. I do two specifically because I want to do one right after, like within the first week to make sure that they have a grip on having a newborn. And if they need help with any feeding or any just specific issues to that brand new first week. And then I set, I I have them set up their second visit with me anytime, like within the first like couple months that they want to, because sometimes it takes that long to kind of process your birth story and be ready to talk about it. But I think that that's a huge piece in the postpartum period is talking about it and telling your story to somebody who is actively listening unbiasedly, who's not going to interject and try to fix things necessarily because there's nothing to fix. Right. Um, and in terms of any other postpartum, like when it does, when there are mood disorders or when there is loss, I personally would pass that on to a practitioner that specializes in that because I don't feel fully equipped in my training um, to handle that. Mm -hmm. But definitely like in those initial postpartum visits, like I want to know how are you? Like everybody's asking about baby. I feel like when you're pregnant, everybody's like, Oh, how are you? How are you feeling? And the second that baby's out, it's all about baby and nobody cares about the person that just had the baby. (laughs) Like what happens to her or, you know, like, so I really want to know how is that person? How are you? Mm -hmm. Um, And so does that answer your question? Yes. Yes, it does. (laughs) Well, (laughs) I mean, uh, it's quite amazing how 30 minutes flies by. <laughs> I know. We're, we're at 30 minutes. Um, so, Taylor, I, if somebody wants to um, get in contact with you, is there any uh, way that they can get in contact with you, website, email, any of that jazz? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I am, my website is with you wellness kc so w-i-t-h-y-o-u wellness kc.com and my email is the same so with you wellness kc at gmail.com um and you can find me on instagram at with you wellness kc and i love 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 reach out i 
answer everything first, like directly. And um, I, I love it. So please reach out. All right. Well, thank yeah. you very much. Um, Taylor's also on Instagram as with you wellness KC mm -hmm. um, and does a lot of information, informational posting, recommending of podcasts, recommending of resources. Mm -hmm. um, so it's mm -hmm. good to follow her there. Um, and yeah, I, I just encourage everyone who's listening to really, um, you know, consider the impact of, you know, um, really healthy, positive, supportive birth experiences for birthing people and babies. Um, in the energy work that I've done, my own birth story, meaning my birth as a, as a, as a baby, um, has had a large impact on my health over time. So um, I feel like it can be as a sort of as a culture or as a society, we can kind of skip over that part. Like, oh, that's the part we don't talk about because it's the really messy, gross part. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like that's kind of the attitude. And I also want to encourage all of the, all of the male people who are listening to um, anyone who's partnered with someone who might be, um, you know, going through birth to really be involved. I feel so sad. Like whenever there's like a prenatal thing that I, you know, like a webinar or something about nutrition or whatever. And like, it's, there are no partners or spouses present. Mm. Um, like, I feel like it's, you know, in the same way that women are burdened with the, the raising and caring for children, we're also sort of disproportionately burdened in this birthing process too. And so I just really encourage, um, and there's a huge long history to that, right? Like, yeah, men weren't even part, like weren't even in the labor and delivery like rooms until more recently. So um, I just have to kind of step on my soapbox and be like, get involved, stay involved. It's your baby too. Like <laughs> it's such a coincidence you say that because I just reshared a podcast episode on my Instagram stories today that I shared last week, and I reshared it about partners. And it's an interview of a dad, and he helps teach partners and he says the same thing he's like you have a voice use it like you are part of this yeah yeah oh, it's really important that's awesome we'll, we'll make sure that we have a, a link to that podcast too so um yeah all right well taylor again thank you and amy as always it's great to have you with us uh if you want to reach amy you can reach her at broadwaychurchkc.org. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, uh, yep. we'll just say thank you and uh, we'll see you next time. And on that note, we'll call that a wrap for this episode of Story Wagon. I want to thank you, the listener, for supporting us and listening to this episode. And if you want, please follow us on any social media platform and type in Story Wagon. You can also visit us at our website, storywagon.org. And so, with that, this is Chaplain Jose Martinez wishing you good spiritual health. <laughs>